We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse, Sound On Sight's TV podcast. As ever, I'm Kate Kulzik, and I'm joined by... Simon Howell. So, Simon, how's your week this week? Uh, not so bad. I've got uh, a lot of school stuff to do, a lot of TV to watch, a lot of uh, we've got a film festival going on here still. So uh, it's it's been it's been a little nuts. I'm I'm looking forward to November when things ease up a little. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to November because I I feel like I can talk about this on the podcast now. But I'm gonna be going up old uh, Montreal way, so I'm gonna actually get to record this in in person. And, and uh, hopefully that'll get rid of some of our technical issues. I do want to state, uh, or at the beginning here, we had some some difficulty recording our DVD shelf for this week, so the audio quality is not what we would like. But hopefully that's something we've remedied, and it won't be a problem in the future. Just heads up. Um, and of course we had Sean Ingram from previously on this week, and we're gonna be talking about Larry Sanders at the end of the show, which was good times. I'm. I'm like in getting the previously on guys on the show, it's uh, I feel like they're sort of our spiritual brethren in the world of TV podcasting. So it's, it's been fun. It's certainly nice to think so. Yeah, <laughs> they, they they still are returning my tweets, so I figure we're we're good. Um, there's been a bunch of stuff going on at the website this week. We got some more great comments, so thanks so much to T Mac, Dan, Sean from the Zero Potential Podcast, and Mario, who's a new listener. T-Mac uh, uh, is a proud member of the We Hate Skyler Club, so I'm sure Rick was happy to see that uh, after our Breaking Bad talk last week. Um, lots of uh, commiseration with Dan about Ringer and, uh, and and Glee, and then we also did some Twittering about some other uh, Amazing Race and other things like that. And then um, Sean, and I, I got to give him credit for this, he took me to task a bit on Twitter and uh, in the comments for my my statement regarding NCIS and Two and a Half Men. I was a bit, a bit dismissive last week. He's taking me to tech. appreciate that. And uh, we had a nice little discussion about the quality, you know, the, the history of the show and its strengths and, and such. So that was fun. And then uh, Mario has been uh, liking our, our Homeland reviews and is that's his new show, apparently, that he's uh, enjoying and theorizing and all that. So it's uh yeah it's been fun it's been nice to get to have some more feedback of course we always want more so if if you're a new listener or haven't written into us yet we're you know please check out the website and and leave your thoughts and then of course I had my top TV dogs list which got a, a let's say a reaction from certain people <laughs> Rick is very strongly in the pro Scooby and. Honestly, I was surprised. I was surprised that he's even in the pro scrappy club, whereas I am anti. Do you have an opinion on the matter? He could make there could you could make Hitler a dog, uh, you know, Venture Brothers style, and he would love that that dog. He's he is pro any dog. He <laughs> he may say he discriminates, but he really doesn't. And I, 
it was a, a, a source of personal amusement to me just how much controversy that dog list created uh, amongst the locals here. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, Stacy and uh, Blaine threw in some love for Diefenbacher from Due South, so that was that was fun. And, and uh, then Vlad, I felt terrible because uh, I meant to include, spoiler alert, I did not include Underdog, and I forgot, and I meant to, and and I also meant to include Droopy, and I, and I forgot him as well too. So Vlad called me out on that, and oh, it was terrible. But it was it's a it's a fun list. So any uh, dog lovers should go check that out. And this week I'm going to do an article in defense of melodrama in TV. Um, when I did my article on series long arcs in genre television, the Bill Massey, one of the contributors to the site, uh, cited soap operas, and that got me thinking about how. There's just not enough uh, love for and respect for melodrama and the more soap opery kind of elements to shows because honestly most dramas are soap operas so I, I I don't know I'm a fan so that's what I'm gonna write about this week and hopefully people can go check that out tomorrow. All right, I'm sure it's gonna give Ryan Murphy a big old boner. <laughs> Good times, yeah. If he's Ryan, if you're if you're reading, leave a comment. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> Read it. That is. And then the last thing at the website that I want to talk about is I'm very excited that we have some new reviews and reviewers. So Corey Atad is going to be and is reviewing actually already Homeland for us. So that's going up every Sunday, and uh, or or maybe Monday morning, depending on on how things. Uh, work and the schedule and things. And then this week we're going to have Ryan Clagg joining us to review uh, American Horror Story. So his reviews uh, of the first two episodes and then from there on should be up at the website this week. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And then we also, uh, to preview, we're going to have uh, Dan Heaton covering Chuck for us when that starts up in a couple weeks. So it's been great hearing from you guys. So if there are more people who are interested in reviewing shows for us or contributing to the website, please you know send us a tweet, an email. Um, our, we'll go through all of our contact information towards the end of the show, and we, we'd love to hear from you, and please let us know. We've also so. got uh, our, our good pal Michael Ryan, who's going to be writing a weekly column that's going to have a sort of a rotating focus on different TV procedurals. So uh, that should be interesting. Uh, you know, a bunch of shows that mo I think most people would never think to write about. So it should be an interesting, uh, an interesting lineup. Well, and that's, that'll be one for wow. Sean from Zero Pretension to check out because he's a fan of those. So yeah, that's go. great. And then, of course, I uh, don't want to forget, Giannis is still reviewing Community for us. And, of course, uh, you and Ricky are reviewing The Walking Dead together in a fun sort of way. And I still have my reviews of Fringe and Supernatural going yes. up every week. So. And, we, and we may want to mention now, uh, since apparently it's the biggest thing ever, um, we are doing a separate Walking Dead podcast. We actually started it last year uh, as an offshoot of Sound on Sight, and we wanted to uh, keep it dedicated. So uh, you and I and Ricky have been reviewing uh, The Walking Dead. We just released our second episode, which was actually on the season premiere. Don't ask me how that works uh, hmm. of the of the, of the new season. Anyway, uh, you can check it out over at soundonsight.org. I thought I'd mention it just because uh, it was the uh, top scripted show of any channel on the night it aired. So that's pretty huge. Well, I'm sure AMC is happy to see that given, yeah, they you know, the, need it, yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, I think that's, I think we've gone on for quite long enough at this point. Yeah, uh, let's move on. Let's, 
Let's get it. Let's get into our weekend TV. We're going to do things a little differently this week. Um, now that Breaking Bad is off the air, there are several shows that we wanted to spotlight, but we couldn't really decide on which one we should devote more time to than another because there are several interesting episodes this week. So what we're going to do instead is we're going to go through our weekend TV and we're going to skip over uh, four different shows and then we're going to come back and look at each of those in our spotlight. So it'll be rather than a spotlight on one particular episode, it'll be longer reviews of four of the most interesting episodes of the week. Yeah. So if you want to be a huge nerd, you can try right now guessing what the four shows are without reading the blurb for the for the podcast yeah it'll be it'll be fun so let's let's get into this uh on tuesday there was the last man standing pilot and uh <laughs> yeah, i hope you had fun with that my main thought on it was of course this is the new sitcom on i believe it's abc with tim allen and nancy travis and um it's it's basically just an update of uh, home improvement now it's the easiest way to describe it and why look it's not funny uh <laughs> who could have predicted it it's exactly what you think it is from the promos basically the pilot is not good it's not particularly i mean it's not offensive it didn't bother me it's not terrible but it's not funny i mean there's a there are a couple jokes in there that i raised an eyebrow at there's a homophobic joke in there and and some other ones that i wasn't particularly enamored with but in general it's not you know, it's just another stereotypical, you know what you're getting if you watch the ad. So not for me. And then because I'm a strange, strange, self-hating person, I watched the next episode of Ringer. And uh, yes, it's still bad. And that's, you know, very shocking. Last week's episode was a little better because they got away from some of the Bridget plotline with her sponsor. But that was all back this week. The The one thing that I will give it, though, is that they surprised me with the ending they went away i did not expect them to they, they uh apparently they killed off a character in a rather violent way um so the the show's already darker than i expected it to be but that's not necessarily a good thing because sir michelle geller's best at comedy however i still seem to be watching it so it really at this point it's my fault uh it did get a season full season pickup which i wasn't necessarily expecting but you know who knows what'll happen with it now, you caught up with the second episode of American Horror Story. Yeah, lest I accuse you of being a glutton for punishment, um, <laughs> I decided for some reason, I don't know, I guess I thought it would be funny uh, to tell everyone my impressions of American Horror Story. In truth, uh, I thought that with in the pilot, my ultimate conclusion was that Ryan Murphy and Brad Feltick had, had created a show that somehow managed to be seven different bad movies at the same time. Uh, this this second episode was more like two bad movies. So in in that sense, it's an improvement. It's the editing is is less frenetic. Uh, everything is a little bit less cluttered. They're not throwing in every possible element they can think of. Uh, just seemingly every element they had lying around. Uh, <laughs> so it's it was a little better. Um, y- you'll be happy to know, Kate, that the last line of the episode was "We are selling this house." Um, <laughs> so, I'm sure they actually will. I'm sure that <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see about that. I mean, it's still ridiculous and over the top and not scary, or at least not to me. 
Um, but I think this week it did manage to be a little bit more entertaining and a little bit less infuriating. I'm, <laughs> I, I know that's, that's really, that's probably the most positive thing I can say still. I for praise. Now. I, I will. Um, I didn't watch it, of course, because I'm a scaredy cat. But I will interject that Ryan, who will be reviewing the show for us, is far more positive on on the show than we are. So uh, if you are a fan of American Horror Story, then that's perhaps what you should check out. But uh, but yeah, it's I, not it's not a show for us. I do think certain sorts of horror nerds might have fun with it. I mean, in in the sense that this week, you know, Ryan Murphy's just as happy throwing in a reference to the Strangers as he is to throwing in a music cue from Psycho. So, I mean, in that sense, it's sort of fun to pick out influences if that's what you're into. It's not really my thing, personally. So do you think you're going to go back next week? Uh, depends how much of a masochist I'm feeling like on the night that it airs. Yeah, I really can't judge. I've watched how many episodes of Bringer now? It's 17. We're sick, sick, terrible people. <laughs> um, but let's move on to a uh, to a happier note, at least for me. On Wednesday, I caught up with the the most recent episode of Suburgatory. And, you know, I'm loving this show. This is one of my favorite new shows, if not my absolute favorite new show. It's the one I most look forward to watching and most enjoy. I I, I just have a lot of fun with these characters, and it was another fun episode. Uh, I, you know, I don't really have anything new to say about it, particularly. This week, we get to see Anna Gasteyer uh, featured more, and I think she's a really good fit on the show. I like getting to see her pop up on good shows. But yeah, I mean, it was predictable. You could see the beats coming, but it still is a charming show and I still like mm -hmm. it. So I think you're sort of getting to the heart of why I don't quite love it yet. Uh, inadvertently, it is uh, very predictable. And I think it does still have a little bit too much fun trafficking in, in stereotypes and in, in an exaggeration. Uh, with that said, I mean, it's certainly true that as a comedic ensemble, I think there's, it's certainly the most promising uh, cast of any, certainly of any of the new shows. I think that's, it's faint praise, but it's easy to say. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, Jane Levy is, is, is still great. And it was really, it was a, a lot of fun watching Jeremy Sister this, this week, hanging out with the ladies. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> j just generally having a blast. I'm also really liking Cheryl Hines. I think she's, it's a great role for her. And I think she's really good in it too. So she elevates that character. Yeah. I'm still waiting for them to make good use of Alan Tudyk though. Yeah, they ha they they're kind of squandering him, aren't they? They really are. Like but... that, they need to let that guy fly. <laughs> he can do good work. Oh, you don't you don't even know what you just referenced accidentally, and now I'm sad. And Firefly fans will know what I'm talking about. Uh, um, Whedon. Yeah. <laughs> but um, let's, let's move on. Uh, on Wednesday, there's also the most recent episode of Modern Family, which I still am not loving this season. Um, but David Cross was was in it again and was a lot of fun. So I'm really enjoying that part of it. And hopefully they'll keep bringing him back because he's always fantastic. So yeah, his, just his presence uh, made this a better episode. I mean, his like minute or whatever last week was the best part of the episode. So it was better, but still I'm not loving where they're going, particularly with um, Mitchell and Cam. They're not using those characters well, I don't think. David Cross is an interesting figure in the sense that over time I find his acting and his 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 comedy work in films and television more interesting, and his stand up less interesting. Uh, I'm not sure why that is. 
interesting. Uh, it's been a while since I've checked out a stand-up. Maybe, maybe that's a good thing. Um, we also had on Wednesday the premiere of Psych, and I had a lot of fun with it. I, I always enjoy Psych. It's one of those shows that I don't necessarily feel the need to watch every week, but you know, so I'll save some up and then I'll marathon them on a you know if I'm, I'm feeling sick or something like that or have a, a day off. And I always get a laugh out of it. Just the the dynamic between the the various characters really works on the show and uh, particularly Sean and Gus of course and I just I like spending time with these with these characters I love all the geeky references so it's uh it's more of the same but well executed I would say I have never watched one iota of psych it's USA right yes so is it is it a USA program if you know what I mean oh yes very much so okay just checking I mean, I'm it's, not. It's, I'm not saying that to be totally disparaging, but I mean, I I think I have a pretty good idea what to expect. Oh no, yeah, they have a certain formula, but I would say of the ones that I've seen recently, I haven't checked out um, White Collar or Suits or a couple of the other ones. But um, of the ones that I have seen, I think it's the most successful, and I think that goes back to the rapport between uh, James Roday and Dulé Hill. Uh, they really center and balance the show, and then of course, um, I want to say Tim. Omenson, I probably have that wrong, uh, who uh, you would know from uh, from Deadwood is yes. a lot of fun as well. It's, it's just, they, have, they have a really strong cast. They work well together and they know what their strengths are and they focus on those. And I think mm-hmm. that's what what makes it succeed at what it's trying to be. Oh, and you though you do. You really should watch their Twin Peaks episode because I, I think keep you would. hearing that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good one because I know you're a fan of Twin Peaks. So, um, But moving on, we had Top Chef Just Desserts, and they're down to the final four at the end of the episode. And, you know, I'm really liking the, the chef testants that are, are left. I, I actually liked Carlos a lot, too, the, the person who was eliminated this week. His his concept this week was the most interesting, but he, he lacked in his execution, and so he was eliminated. But the final four this year and final five even are a lot closer than last year when it was basically one or two people's um, show to lose. So it's I've have, I'm having fun watching them and getting to know these people or characters, however you want to define them, better. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's a nice bit of fluff and it lets me uh, have fun with my inner foodie and, and food geek. So, uh, yep, more of the same. And, um, uh, Simon, uh, you checked out South Park? I did. Um, and as I mentioned last week, there was some carryover from the mid-season finale in terms of what's going on with Stan. This week, that was understandably put on the back burner, and they just had a good old-fashioned, you know, sort of, uh, you know, plot, you know, sort of, you know, satire-driven, you know, outrageous episode of South Park. And it, what's what's strange about this season is that it's rare, I, at least for a while, I, I found it was rare to get two to three funny episodes of South Park in a row. I feel like each season would have great peaks, and then horrendous lows and this week uh between the last three weeks it's been three uh really solid installments this week was uh, sort of a take on immigration and the american economy that was surprisingly gentle in a weird way it was surprising not i don't want to say sentimental but it did have a streak about it that wasn't as mean as usual and uh, that was interesting I'm, I'm i'm wondering if this is the beginning of of, of the kinder of the kinder gentler south park that we're going to see as uh, parker and stone get a little older and more sophisticated. I'm not sure if that's really what's happening, but um, I'll be I'll I'll be tracking it to see if that's what's going on. If they're able to 
maintain uh, greater consistency uh, in the show, I think that will do a lot to to really bring it back to its. Um, I wouldn't say I, not that it's gone downhill, but I feel like it's become higher peaks and valleys yeah, in sure. more recent seasons. So if they can smooth that out a bit, I think it's probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, it's it used to be. I think for a few years with with South Park, there would be, there would be one or two episodes that really captured the zeitgeist people would talk about. And then the rest of the season would just sort of go by the wayside. And I'm I'm hoping mm-hmm. that they can sort of even it out, make the quality a little bit more consistent. Thursday, we had the Big Bang Theory, which featured the return of Wheaton. Will Wheaton, who is, of course, uh, Sheldon's arch nemesis, uh, our, our mortal enemy, I believe is the official term. He has 61 of them. I They wrapped up that plot line and the two had a truce, uh, which... I think was a, a good move. I, I enjoy Will Wheaton. Um, I think he's actually can be, I think he actually can be a pretty good actor, but I didn't like him as himself in this. When they were having him be evil, I didn't, wasn't really enjoying his performance. It seemed kind of too self-aware, but not in the right kind of way. So I'm, I'm glad that they've seemed to be moving past that. You know, he can pop up here and again, I think from this point on, but uh, it was, nice to 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 see have them put a bow on that and they also had uh brent spiner on which was fun and of course these are both cast members of star trek the next generation and as a trekkie myself it's always fun for me when they when they show up and brent spiner is is a lot of fun he only has like 30 seconds on the show but uh it'll be interesting to see if he comes back on i'm sort of doubtful that he will but if so that could be a lot of fun and the main uh, arc was on Howard getting to go up to space and uh, that causing tension between him and Bernadette. And frankly, I didn't really care that much about that story. I, I still don't think they've managed to use either Howard or Raj effectively, but I did have fun with the episode because of the Sheldon and Leonard plotline. Then moving on, we had Parks and Rec, which I, th- I think it was a lot of fun. What did you think? I thought it was very solid this week. They've been in a nice groove. I mean, and that really hasn't let up since the beginning of the of like almost two seasons ago. I mean, they've just been solid, and I think this was another uh, fine installment. I mean, there was a very predictable arc you could see coming. You knew that well, Leslie wasn't going to leave, uh, you, you know, um, Nick Offerman's character out in the cold for the for the entire, you know, give him the cold shoulder for the entirety. I mean, it was mostly just a really adorable episode. There, there wasn't too much going on other than that, and I'm fine with that. I, uh, I didn't really buy the Batman suit thing. That seemed like a step too far, a bridge too far for for him, but for Ben. But otherwise, I had a lot of fun with this episode because I did Girl Scouts growing up, and uh, my brothers did Boy Scouts, and. As much as I did enjoy this episode, it, in some ways it was incredibly accurate, and in other ways it was completely wrong, and maybe just because I should have been a Swanson and not in the Girl Scouts, because <laughs> Boy Scouts is always so much cooler. They got to go, you know, hike and climb mountains and canoe the Boundary Waters while we painted our toenails in cabins. <laughs> so, uh, but but I did enjoy that, watching the dynamic there, and uh, and Andy was, as ever, a lot of fun, so... It was a yeah, I would agree. Another solid episode. Am I the only one who feels like they're going to go for an Adam Scott Rashida Jones pairing? Because right now, neither of them really has anything to do. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I don't think they're going to just because they've already been there and done that in the first season, second season. Um, at least I hope they don't. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. That's a good, interesting idea. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's it, it just especially stands out that every week that, you know, like, Rashida Jones is great, and she's been funny on the show, but everything... She doesn't been, have anything to do. She has no aim on the show at all right now. And Adam Scott is, is sort of leading that way right now as well, since uh, since he got uh, dumped, more or less, a few episodes yeah. ago. Yeah, I just... Because I do think that they would probably work well together, but I just don't want to see Anne not actually steal, but quasi-steal some uh, Leslie's boyfriend again, because we've seen that. And so... Uh, I, I, I kind of hope they don't go there, but yeah, I'm sure that if they do, they'll make it work. And but. we all we also had, of course, uh, Rob Lowe meeting, um, meeting <laughs> Jerry's daughter, which was pretty cute. Yeah, I always like when they do things with Jerry, so I, I, I would like to see him get more time and more uh, development as long as it didn't take away from the other characters. So, yeah, And sure. of course, I did really enjoy just the whole uh, treat yourself uh, thing. <laughs> yes. Which is a lot of fun. So. Yes. Now, this week's episode of Always Sunny has apparently been divisive amongst the community, or maybe not actually even that, maybe just divisive with me, because I thought it was a lot of fun, but I'm, I'm hearing that a lot of people did not think it was that great. What what did you think? Uh, if, honestly, if, if you can't extract fun from an episode of Sunny that has Danny DeVito in comedy wigs, that has John <laughs> Polito as Danny DeVito's brother, and that has Lance Reddick... I'm sorry, you're not my kind of TV watcher. I thought he was hilarious. It was he needs to do more comedy because he's always playing, you know, on the wire and on Fringe. He's always these dramatic, serious types, and so it was just so much fun to watch him get to just be silly. Yeah, I mean, on let, let's face it, on Fringe and the Wire, he's basically the same character. Yeah, you know, just, despite the despite the gulf between them, and I, it, it was delightful just to see him. Uh, have fun and cut loose a little bit. Just seeing him as a Black Panther was just so great. <laughs> um, and I, I think the problem is that it, I think it reminded people of an episode from before that you may or may not have seen called The Gang Cracks the Liberty Bell, which mm-hmm. was another flashback episode that I think has been pretty rightly called the worst episode of Sunny so far. But I don't think this episode is anywhere near that bad. Was it a little obvious in places? Sure. Did some of the gags fall flat? Sure. Was it weird to not see the gang really much at all? Yeah, but a lot of this was really funny. And, and I, I I don't know. Anything that where also you have a montage of DeVito just doing horrible things to himself, I'm going to enjoy that. <laughs> Interesting. I don't I I like the gang cracks the Liberty Bell, but maybe I just don't have high enough standards for always sunny. Um <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I didn't laugh out loud the same way as I have the rest of the season, but it I still really had a lot of fun with it, so. So suck um, what, it internet. So suck it, Internet. What, uh, how was the league this week? Uh, the league was not uh, quite as good as, as the previous week. As I said last week, that they, they seem to be going for more sort of high concept moments to sort of offset the improvisational nature of the show. Uh, this week we had a, a Sukkot-themed episode, uh, some of which was very funny, but it did have this... They were sort of going for a Curb Your Enthusiasm style, set them up, knock them down type premise where you... You know where it's going at the end. They're they're going to go for the for the big comic moment, and I'm not really sure that's what suits them so much as just the the little jibes they get at each other and and sort of building up a building up a rhythm. So it was it was an there's nothing wrong with the episode. Um, I, I think it's still solid, but uh, I, I prefer just their sort of their less high concept episodes. So hopefully we're going to get more of just them uh, lightly backstabbing each other on the way to uh, to Lee <laughs> Glory. 
we also checked out the most recent episode of Prime Suspect, uh, and we we gave it a lot of praise last week. How did you think this week compared to last week's? I, I didn't think it was quite as good, but I think right now Prime Suspect is sort of, if I can make uh, this this claim, it's sort of doing for cop shows what The Good Wife is doing for lawyer shows in the sense that I think it's another show that has an interesting lead and a really solid supporting cast. And I, and that I think is, has become quite consistent and I think it's unfortunate that nobody seems to be really checking it out. And what's interesting is that NBC, I think knows how great the show is and they're apparently do They're having a prime suspect week right now. They're, they're doing reruns every single weeknight in an effort to get people to watch the damn show. And I hope it works because I've been really enjoying it. I think that's a great comparison. I, I hadn't thought of it, but I think you're absolutely right. It it if it's not yet, it definitely could become the good wife of cop shows. So yeah, I agree. It wasn't as good as last week, um, but I still I still had a lot of fun with it. I, or maybe fun isn't the right word, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, I did like that Jane was wrong for most of the episode. That's not something we we often see on these kinds of shows, particularly when the cops start trusting their gut. You know, they're almost always right. So yes. it was it was nice to see her be wrong. But also the way that they handled that scene at the end where she apologized to the woman, but only to a certain extent. You know, she's not going to apologize for being herself and for trusting her instincts. So mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought it was handled well. And uh, yeah, I, I have everything you said. I agree with. And if they're going to. They they if they're gonna pull the Playboy Club, given what limited things they have coming at midseason, uh, repeats of Prime Suspect is about the best thing that they can plug in there. So yes, yeah. hopefully more people will watch. Yeah, I'm glad that NBC has been behind the show despite the. Ra- I mean, apparently they've ordered more scripts, but not more episodes yet. We'll see mm-hmm. what, what what happens. Uh, my only real uh, complaint so far is not enough Kenny Johnson. Give me some more. Yeah, Kenny it's Johnson. true. I've liked what we've gotten of him, and I like that they are not coming up with awkward ways to integrate him into that don't make sense. But I would like to see more of him because I do enjoy him uh, on the show as well as, of course, from The Shield. But I, I like his character on the show, and I like what he brings out in Jane. So, but and what I also really like about his character is that it's such a reversal in the sense that he has, you know, he has the character on this show that Mar- Maria Bello probably would have had 10 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's, he, he's the, the supportive, you know, partner that we don't really, who's just sort of around for you no know, nice little character moments. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's, and it's interesting to have a man have that part, uh, especially a guy like, like Kenny Johnson, who's, you know, you know, quite a, quite a big dude who, who could have this really sort of bravado driven part. Uh, so that's been interesting. And it's a bit of, sorry, it's a bit of a similarity to from my, when I was doing my cop show list, uh, I watched some Cagney and Lacey and there was a similar relationship on that show uh, that was refreshing then. And it's just as refreshing now. And it's sad that it still is, you know, with all those yeah. years in between, but, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, and the the other the last thing I wanted to mention is that I like that they've kept the cases simple, especially mm-hmm. this week and last week. They haven't felt the need to throw in you know a twist every every ten minutes, which is something that if you watch Law and Order on a weekly basis, you'll know that you know exactly when the twists are coming. That's just how much formula there is. And here that they've been keeping it simple, not so and not so simple that it's you know reductive and boring, but just enough that th- enough to let the the writing sort of breathe a little bit. 
And uh, that's been great to see. I do think they've been overplaying the oafishness of her coworkers a little bit still, but, mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, it, they're such a great ensemble anyway. I mean, Aiden Quinn, Kirk Acevedo, et cetera, that it hasn't really chafed that much. Yeah. So let's just keep our fingers crossed that people start checking out this show and, yes. uh, and, and so, so the procedural fans out there, check it out and, and let us know what you think. Uh, cause I really, I'm hoping word of mouth will, will get out. Um, and then on, on Friday to move on, we had Supernatural's uh, most recent episode, which was frankly weak. Uh, I was disappointed, and I was particularly disappointed because they they brought back Alana Tal's character Joe. You would know her from Veronica Mars; she was Meg. Yes, and she, she's a lot of she's a lot of fun on the show. I really enjoyed the character. I was sad to, or disappointed when they wrote her out in the first place and then they they managed to bring her back in a creative way but then they didn't use her there was no reason for her to be there other than i, I guess they were like you know who i haven't seen in a while let's you know and they it could have been a much more effective even if they had kept her on with the very threadbare purpose for her to be there better writing could have made it work and it didn't there are still some, you know, I have so much fun with uh, the when they let them be funny, when they give them humor, the 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 cast really pulls it off. But without Cass on the show and Bobby's not in this episode, it just comes down to Sam and Dean. And I just get tired of all the angst and the retreads of their their bitterness at their lot in life or, or whatever. So. Um, you know, what started out as a very strong season has gone downhill, and I'm hoping that they can turn it around. Um, but I, I do have a review up at the website, like I said, so if you're looking for more in-depth thoughts, you can you can check that out. And hopefully there's an episode coming up this season called Time After Time After Time. So I'm hoping that, you know, with a good, it's a good old-fashioned time loop episode, and I, I don't know if it is, but that would be nice, and we, hopefully that'll get them back on track, but... Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's not the show that it can be, and that's disappointing. You generally can't go wrong with a time loop. Oh, they already did one time loop episode, and it's fantastic. It's oh, there uh, you go. So hopefully, if they're going to do it again, they do it very well. Their all their time travel episodes have been very good. So um, let's move on to uh, the pilot for Boss, which doesn't actually this week, but it's up online at uh, Stars, and uh, so we figured we would review it. What did you think? This is an interesting case. Uh, this is created by the writer of Apocalypto, of all things, and the it's also produced by Gus Van Sant, who directed the pilot, stars uh, Kelsey Grammer as the mayor of Chicago, and his. it's about him and his staff and his family. Uh, this is a ridiculously, I think, ambitious pilot. It's also, uh, like we talked about um, in terms of Enlightened last week, it's an extremely cinematic pilot, especially the many uh, sort of hyper close-ups of hands and eyes and uh you know the, the little the detail work like that it's definitely not perfect uh i i think it it suffers from pilotitis in the sense of it's trying to introduce us to so many conflicts so many characters so many mysteries and so many secrets and i i think it overburdens itself but uh i do think i'll be i'll be very interested to see where it's going for me, well, first of all, any show that is set in Chicago immediately has a plus one because I am from Chicago, or at least the suburbs, and so I always enjoy getting to spend some time with that scenery. Um, but that being said, I'm not that interested in the show, and 
Yeah, it's 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 a good show. I can tell it's a good pilot. It's well made. It's well it's it's pretty well wit- written and uh, acted. All the the cast is very strong, but in a similar way to Breaking Bad, which it's you know it's not Breaking Bad yet. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But um, in a similar way to Breaking Bad, I don't care about the main character at all. He's despicable and not necessarily a good person, and I don't want to spend time with him. And on Breaking Bad, I that's my situation with Walt, but I really enjoy um, Jesse and several of the other characters. And so because of that, that's my end of the show, and that's what keeps me watching. But with Boss, I didn't care about any of these people. None of them seem like they're particularly nice or good. And maybe that's interesting to... to um, other people but for me it it just it's watching a bastard for lack of a better word um be a bastard and with just the knowledge that he has a degenerative disease so i mean there's that i guess that might be a hook for some people but just it's not really interesting to me and i feel kind of bad because it is a good show but well i think the priority of the pilot in this case is really establish the universe establish the tone establish, you know, sort of what it can do visually, especially that uh, really striking sequence on the rooftop where they're, I love of, that. where they're fading between new and old Chicago. That was great. Um, I, and I think that's, I assume they're going to be doing more stuff like that. I think there was less of an emphasis on sort of getting to know exactly what all the characters are about. So I am hoping, I, I agree with you that the weakness is with the characters so far because there's so many of them and so mm-hmm. few of them seem to be relatable in any way. Um, and I, I think that, I mean, immediately, if you were just watching the Breaking Bad pilot, you might not necessarily assume that Jesse was going to be the most interesting character either. So I, I think that with time, hopefully, they'll uh, they'll they'll give you some ins. Uh, I'm definitely very curious to see where it, where it goes. One thing, one pilot it sort of reminds me of, in a way, is The Shield, in the sense of both this pilot and The Shield pilot feature, uh, I want to say, an, an act of evil that are that are maybe a little bit over the top and i th- i think might i think they serve a purpose in illustrating something about the character but maybe should have been scaled back a little bit uh this one involving uh some some ears i don't want to say too much because especially cuz the episode hasn't aired yet but i thought it was a little ridiculous um but i think it it served a purpose in terms of you know showing the moral decay of the character that being said I, I think there's definitely, I mean, Stars has already renewed this, even though it doesn't air until next week. And I'm guessing that's <laughs> partially due to the fact that they need something to fill the Spartacus void. Uh, rest in peace, Andy Whitfield. But I, th- I think they've, they've demonstrated a lot of confidence in the show. So I, I'm hoping that they know where they're going, that they're going somewhere great. I think it'd be really interesting for Stars to become like a real drama contender. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. Um, it'd, be, it'd be cool to have another... Uh, network mixing it up in there but um yeah i'm definitely curious to see where it goes and uh kelsey grammar is fantastic obviously yeah i mean you're right and i should give it i will give it a couple more weeks uh to uh to try to draw me in i i see your connection to the shield pilot um for me it's not nearly as successful i think the shield is no, has I, one of the best pilots I i've agree. ever seen yeah but yeah i mean it's, if people are looking for a new drama show particularly on a friday if if people are looking for a show to watch on friday and don't want to watch genre television then i think this is something worth checking out if only for its pedigree but uh and the performances and it's got some nudity if that's what you're into 
Yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess there are people. You know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be surprised at that there are people who do look for that in, in their programming. They do. I know. I, it's come on the internet. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with it. Um, on Sunday, we had the Amazing Race, and I enjoyed this episode a lot. Uh, they were in Thailand and uh, in Phuket, uh, Thailand, and it was just gorgeous scene if there's any show that makes me wish i had an hd tv it's the amazing race you know football and the amazing race and uh and it was it was a really great episode i'm feeling good about my pick of the snowboarders because they rocked it this week they were fantastic and uh they are at the moment they appear to be the team to beat so one of the challenges was they had to set up beach chairs and umbrellas at at the at, at this beach, and so they kept panning, uh, cutting back to the the workers there, the uh, uh, native workers uh, who, who are just sitting in the shade, laughing their ass off at how terrible the Americans are doing, and all the stupid Americans trying to do their job. Oh, it's just umbrellas. Yeah, you know what? It's also really really windy there, so good luck with that. But yeah, it was it's always a lot of fun, and this is no exception. Um, of course. We already said The Walking Dead. We uh, talked about on The Walking Dead podcast. We both liked it, but you can get our further thoughts um, on that podcast. And then on Monday, you watched the second episode of Enlightened. How how did that compare to the pilot? Uh, Well, this week you had a lot of Laura Dern really, uh, I I think, stepping up and doing a really tricky balancing act between rage and serenity, often in the same beat. And that I've been really impressed with. Also, this week we had the introduction of essentially this week she gets stuck in the working in the basement of 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 the uh, the Abaddon facility where where she works, uh, where she's introduced to uh, among other people Mike White, who she co-created the series with, uh, is one of her new co-workers, uh, which has been great to see. I really enjoy him as a as a comic actor, and we get a little bit more of her with uh, Luke Wilson as well. Yeah, about on par with the pilot. In, in a way, it feels like the second half hour of the pilot. Uh, it it feels like a like a very unified show. Uh, I'm I'll be curious to see because I mean her character has has such ambitions for I mean she wants to she wants to change the entire course of the corporation she works at which is is clearly not going to happen. Um, I'll be curious to see how long they they keep her there and also I'm I'll be curious to see who uh, becomes sympathetic over the course of the show because right now. Really, except for, you know, maybe her ex, you know, virtually every character is despicable who isn't her. And even she's sort of touch and go. So I'll I'll, I'll be curious to see where they go with that. Um, but I so far, I've been enjoying it. And uh, this, this week was uh, directed by Miguel Arteta, who also did uh, Youth and Revolt and uh, a couple other things. So he's uh, still a very, a very cinematic feel sort of being carried over. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been enjoying Again, not mind blowing, but but enjoyable. Cool. Next, we had on Monday, How I Met Your Mother and uh, <laughs> more dysfunctional shenanigans and more Cal Penn. What did you think of this episode? Uh, I feel like Cal Penn was I'm, I'm not really sure I, I I care too much about his insertion into the show right now. Is that wrong? Um, <laughs> I, you know, he basically serves to tell us things we already know about how dysfunctional the group is. I'm not sure pointing it out is particularly funny or interesting. Uh, of course, we also have the return of, you know, sort of, well, I guess it's been for a while, but we have more of Ted on the dating scene, which is a varying source of enjoyment this week. It was, 
you know, it was the whole episode was amusing to me, but nothing was really laugh out loud funny. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I, I did I did chuckle a few times. I always uh, enjoy when they let uh, Jason Siegel be silly, or like Barney's slideshow was was a lot of fun. I, I still can't believe that this show makes me like puns, but it does. Uh, and the thing, I, I, as far as Cal Penn goes, I think that he works. The character's a bit blah, but I don't. I think that's what they're going for. I don't think that's his fault. And I think it works in the group because if you brought in a particularly colorful character, um, it would probably distract from the dynamics of the group and would possibly just get annoying. So I, I think it's nice to have a little voice of reason in there and a little audience surrogate. As for uh, the rest of it, uh, I I really enjoyed the Barney and Robin being attached to their laptops thing uh, as I watched the episode with my laptop open and on my lap. Uh, so I could identify with that. And um, the the twist with, you know, air quotes with Ted's date was, you know, pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. But I, I still had fun with it. And uh, what did you think of the spit takes? Oh, the spit takes were probably were easily the highlight. I mean, I, I, I always like whenever they sort of go into old comedy mode. Uh, slapstick mode is always... A, and I, I also liked the, the bookends with Ray Wise... As mm-hmm. uh, as Robin's dad, he's always like a, a sight to see. Even if they, even if as a Canadian, I'm slightly chuffed by their by their over the top Canadian humor. I don't <laughs> I don't appreciate it, guys. Come on, we're people too. What uh, you don't go skin wolves on your 14th birthday? I no comment. It's it's that and Tim Hortons, right? That's Canada. Yeah, yeah so I hear. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I lately the show hasn't been blowing my mind, but it's 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 another one of those shows that's it that I, I sort of watch lately out of habit, and it's never hugely disappointing. But mm, I, I I know they can do better. Yeah, yeah, I think I was more positive overall than you, but uh, I think yeah, I think we would agree that they they can do better, and hopefully they'll get back to it. Even if it is, it's fun to spend time with these people, but they can make us laugh. So hopefully they'll get back to making us laugh. Um, so now we're going to move into our spotlight episodes, and if you are a regular listener, listener, you will notice certain shows are missing. So we are going to spotlight The Good Wife, Fringe, Community, and Homeland. So we'll be right back after this. Time was drifting, this That was Couldn't Get It Right by Climax Blues Band, which was featured in this week's episode of Fringe. And that's going to take us into our spotlights for the week. And let's start with this week's episode of Homeland. It was a much talked about episode, um, at least over, uh, from, from where I was um, looking in my corner of the, of the Internet. 
unfortunately, I had to post up the review before I was able to watch it. So I had it a little spoiled for me, but I still uh, thought it was an interesting episode. What did what did you think? Well, the nice thing about Homeland is the way they can sort of balance the expected and the unexpected, and then even sometimes give what's expected a little bit of a twist. I think we all knew that Claire Danes' asset was a goner from, like, second one. I think we knew that, right? Um, Actually, I expected them to play that story out much longer than they did. Oh, well. I expected them to kill her, but not this quickly. Oh, I I figured she wasn't going to make it through the episode. Um despite her generous uh, offerings again of nudity um she was clearly a goner or maybe that's why she was a goner anyway so uh, but at the same time her offing had a lot of questions attached to it that i that i think were were interesting i i mean i think the takeaway moment of the episode i think most of us can agree is the incredibly awkward pseudo sex scene between damian lewis and his wife and i say pseudo sex because really it was just Really, it was just a masturbation scene, and all I could think about was all my married friends as I was watching it. It's like, my, my God, what have they gotten themselves into? But um, I, I think Homeland has been uh, going from strength to strength, and which is a really uh, incredible thing to do when you're just starting out. I think they, I think every episode so far has had a little, a couple of little clunker moments in the dialogue, but other than that, it hasn't been putting uh, many feet wrong so far. Yeah, it was it was a good episode. And <laughs> so I just said this. How how many uh, married friends do you have uh, where the husband's a POW? If you're <laughs> well, by Al Qaeda. Uh, not, not many, but just a couple, just a few, just a couple. OK, um, yeah, the, that scene was the particularly memorable scene from the episode. And and what makes it, you know, the, the extra level of awkward and and gross and memorable is of course Claire Danes watching uh character Carrie watching all of this. So you have Brody masturbating because he doesn't whatever for whatever reason he doesn't uh actually want to be touched by his wife. And Marina Baccarin's character trying to to look away and not see it. And Claire Danes also <laughs> trying to look away and, and, and not and see it. For the first time she's and for the first time she yeah she's actually disgusted. Which is nice <laughs> to see that she has limits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I'm loving about this show is that, and apparently I didn't realize this, but apparently it's a remake of an Israeli show. Yes. I noticed that credit this week and didn't before. But the thing that I'm finding most interesting about it is the utter, or their refusal to make it simple in any way with pretty much any of the characters, particularly with Brody. There's, it's still absolutely believable that either he has turned or he hasn't. So, and and I really am enjoying that. Granted, we're only, what, three episodes in at this point, but still, I, I'm really liking that complexity to it. And um, I, I think the stuff with Marina Backman didn't work as well this week. I think she was a little off her game in some of the, the scenes. Uh, I, I'm normally a, a huge fan of hers. But the, the the things we get with Brody and his family, I found particularly interesting. I was very glad that that the daughter totally knew what was going on with her mom and Mike um, and that they seem to be going a slightly different route with that than I anticipated. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's more, it's more of the same, which is a good thing. Yeah. What's, what's interesting about that family dynamic is that you really get the sense that Brody knows what's, what's happened. 
or has mm -hmm. some sense that it that it could have happened and knows enough and that we're, we there's a good chance we're going to just sidestep all the sort of soap opera theatrics not to not to do soap <laughs> operas as you mentioned so i think and that's an incredibly smart move i think that's a, that's a sign that we're in good hands homeland is one of the shows that doesn't feel like it's just making it up as it goes along so that's always nice uh and what's also great is that on every side of the conflict, we have interesting relationships, you know, even though mm -hmm. she's now gone, you know, Claire Danes' asset and her sort of her feeling that the prince had genuine feelings for her. And then, the, the you know, that it turns out that maybe he did. That's interesting. The sort of mentor slash father relationship between Claire Danes and Mandy Patinkin is interesting. And the stuff with Brody and his family is interesting. That's really hard to do. Mm hmm. Um, I really liked, speaking of Saul, I really liked his anger at Carrie this week. I like that they're not just brushing over the the events of the pilot um, and reestablishing that relationship is solid. I like that there's still conflict there and that he's letting her know it instead of just being angsty about it, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, um, I, it's, I don't really have that, this is the thing, I don't really have that much to say about it other than it's good and people should check it out. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm hoping that uh, I. I don't know what its numbers are like, but I know that uh, obviously critically, it's been building up a lot of acclaim, and it's. Uh, it's nice to have something that uh, your reason that, to have a drama, especially recently, that uh, you feel like you're in a, you're in an assured space, and I think that's something great also for Showtime to have because I don't remember the the last. I don't remember them having a drama with this much integrity. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't. I mean, as much as Dexter season one was fun. I think, uh, I mean, personally, I think there was the sense that it was no more than that for me personally, at least. Uh, so it's, th this has clearly a little bit more depth. Yeah. It, it's like you said, I feel like I'm in safe hands and I trust the writers and the creators and I, yeah, I trust them in a way that I don't necessarily on, e even though I do enjoy Dexter, I'm, I'm a bit behind. I haven't caught up yet, but when I do watch it, I, I enjoy it for, for the most part, but I don't necessarily have that level of trust like I do on a few shows, you know, Breaking Bad is one of them and uh, Homeland is another. Um, and actually our next show is, is a third fringe. Um, so it's nice to have, it's nice to have that. And so quickly in by yeah. only the third episode, it's, it's impressive. Yeah. I do think though that the Homeland people should go watch the boss pilot. That show has a, has a really cool intro. You need yeah. ditch. You need to ditch this intro. <laughs> it's not too late. If you if you get rid of it, no one will care. Replace it with yes, something. Yes, they will. People will care. They'll be very happy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, they will. Replace it with something half as long and twice as cool. Yeah, Please. it wouldn't be hard. Just even just a title card would be better. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Anyways, let's 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 move on to a show that has excellent opening credits, as far as I'm concerned. Fringe. Yes. What did you? Uh, I mean, my I was fairly gushing in, with my praise in my review on the website, and you you are understandably more reserved. What did you think of the episode? Well, I have simple demands of Fringe. I like good Freaks of the Week. I like um, you know sort of alternate slash parallel universe uh, screwing around, um, and I, I you know I I like I like the craziness, and I, I I you know if you can fit that into a great master plot, even better. Uh, this week was, in that, in those senses, I think, a uh, disappointment. Our, effectively, our Monster of the Week was a blue energy blob, which, 
I wasn't very taken with either in concept or design, uh, especially since it was there quite a lot. Um, so really, this this was effectively a, a mythology episode and one that sort of works to bring Peter back. Peter, of course, being the character that I care the least about. So yeah, for me, this was not exactly a benchmark episode. I, I, I hear what you're saying. To quote Film Spotting, I hear what you're saying, but you're completely wrong. And here's why. Uh, I thought this was by not necessarily by far, but definitely the best episode of the season. And the reason for that is I think it's because I have, I have different things I want from fringe than you do. I, I like a good freak of the week uh, or case of the week. I, I like, um, I, I, I like getting to play with the universes, but more than anything else, I like, watching these actors play and i like the getting to examine the relationships and the the more thematic elements to the show like what does it say about these characters about the nation then the notion of identity um and and just the the ripple effect, like the, the examination we get in this beginning of the season with the ripple effect of just taking one person out is very interesting to me. And Anna Torv and John Noble have been making my, my life difficult with, with my reviews because they're, ma- they're, they're making it hard because I keep praising them and saying they're fantastic. And then the next week the episode comes and it's even better and their performances are better. And then I go, well, I just said they were fantastic. What do I say now? I'm running out of descriptors for them, but I've really loved in this episode, just getting to spend time with Olivia and Walter. And I love, I loved how clearly different this Olivia is from our Olivia and from faux Olivia. And this is, I I already said this, I think last week or the week before on here, we're talking about Fringe, but Anna Torf has now made four distinct versions of one character. And I think that's damn impressive. And I, I think I might even like this Olivia better than the original Olivia or than the original Olivia when she was going out with Peter. Or I just loved spending time with her and seeing her take um, take Walter out for floats was just, I just had a big smile and grin on my face. I, just, I really liked the episode. I like that. They brought Peter back, and that wasn't the cliffhanger. I liked that um, he retains his memories of the original universe, but the universe itself doesn't revert, which is not necessarily something I anticipated uh, or the direction I anticipated them going. Um, yeah, this, I, I, my only complaints about the the season so far is that I really want to spend more time with Astrid and with Broyles. Yeah, I didn't mind having a week off from from Lincoln, but I really feel like they're, they're wasting, um, uh, they're wasting Astrid and Broyles this season, but it's kind of hard to argue with it when they make what I thought was just such a wonderful character episode. It's, it's interesting that effectively the protagonist that we started the show off with is dead. Yeah. Gone and probably will never come back. Uh, so in, in that sense, I mean, what they're doing is interesting. I agree that Anna Torv has been, consistently uh great but you know sometimes i wonder if we're watching different shows because i'm not sure the show has ever had anything particularly interesting to say about identity or fate or anything like that i I think you know it loves to throw these ideas around and i think it does it in a fun and 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 pulpy way but I'm, i'm not really sure that the creators of fringe have anything 
particularly of interest to say about what happens when you take someone out of the equation. I mean, yes, it's interesting that that all the characters are subtly different. I do kind of feel though, like since they've been back with Walter, they've just sort of he's been alternating between three modes: uh, crazy, adorable, and sad. And I I think that. You know, with with I guess some degrees in between maybe, but I feel like they've they've been hitting those three notes uh, repeatedly in varying arrangements since they've come back. Do you think Do you think I'm wrong? Well, the f- first b- before I talk about Walter, perhaps I didn't phrase that correctly. Maybe they don't necessarily have they don't give an answer about those things, uh, those themes. But I like that they that the episodes prompt thought. And discussion and reflection, okay. and that's something that I don't see in other series right now. And I, the, when I watch Fringe, I mean, as much as I love the other shows that we're going to spotlight that we are spotlighting this week, it's the one that most makes me sit and ponder and you know, and and wonder about identity and wonder about these issues that they're addressing. And I, and yet, it doesn't feel like a cop out to me in the way that. You know, like if they just threw a bunch of stuff up there and let you make up your own mind, like some shows like to do. The American Horror Story kind of comes to mind there, but um, it, uh, yeah. I, so maybe that's just it. Maybe just hits the sweet spot with me. But um, but yeah. So you're you're right. They don't really give answers on that, but I like that they prompt consideration and reflection. And when it comes to Walter, I don't really feel like they've. I feel like he's mostly just been sad and he's been crazy sad, like just the two combined, but he's, he's been pitiable and pitiful. And I think that that's been the, I, I wouldn't say that he's been alternating between three really every now and again, you know, he gets, he's in a happier mood. And so that's where maybe the zanier or adorable side comes the, the in. But moments. for me, well, yeah. And that's, they don't, I don't feel like they've had that many of those this season. I, I feel like I that was the first not. one we really got. Yeah, maybe. maybe it was because I was, I was just so glad to see that side to the character back when he has been. It's been I've, it's been tough to, for me, at least, to kind of watch Walter, who had made such progress since the, the first season, be such a shell of a man again. And because I care about him at this point in the series. So uh, maybe it was just that just that nice seeing that nice little quiet moment of him actually out in, in the world and successful. And he was so great in that interview with the neighbor, you know, you wouldn't, she has no idea that he's nutso. Mm -hmm. And I, I liked that. So I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's just more of that. They've managed to successfully get me to really care about these characters. Yeah. I, I guess also for me, I feel like the show is at its best when it feels like it's got a, a clear destination or a or a big bad to deal with, and maybe that's re- reductive. And I'm sure that we're going to get that. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I'm not worried. But right now, we're still sort of waiting to see what sort of shape the season's going to take. So I do I do feel in a way like we're still sort of biding time to figure out what that is, especially since I, for one, don't particularly care about the outcome of Peter's fate. If he had stayed gone, <laughs> honestly, if he had stayed gone... I don't think I would have minded. I would have just been happy with Lincoln and and Altern Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been trying to decide what to call him. I was calling him Clinkin for Cool Lincoln, and then Matt suggested Lincoln Cool. I don't know. I, I don't they, think there's an accepted. Wrong. There's got to be something. 
<laughs> it's got to be something better, right? I, I don't know what it is. I don't think the the, the fandoms come up with it yet. But couldn't, couldn't you just put like a like a like, never mind? I was gonna put like a Lincoln <laughs> with a one somewhere, but no, that's really dumb. You can't even say it. Lincoln. <laughs> no, it's not gonna work. Um. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting because for well, I do agree. The show was very. Uh, it, it it succeeds when it's focused um, and has a drive to it. I, I think those episodes work very well. Um, but I think that's probably the difference in our reaction to this episode is that I really enjoyed just these quieter moments with the characters that we've been getting this season. Um, but, you know, I, I like this episode more than you, fair enough, because we're going to go on next to Community, and you like this one a lot more than I did. Um, and oh. apparently, <laughs> apparently you're right. The internet definitely agrees with you. So what did you think? I hate agreeing with the internet. I hate it. There's <laughs> nothing that makes me more upset than agreeing with the internet. Now, let's be clear. I don't think this was a banner episode of Community. I'm not going to go. I'm not one of those people who thinks, oh, this is top five. It was amazing. But <laughs> I think it was a good sight better than the rest of the season so far. I thought it was uh, they, you know, they managed to find sort of a high concept hook that I think they they executed to the hilt. Uh, it was nice to see them sort of go off the wall uh, in a way that was actually funny. I actually chuckled at Community mm -hmm. this week. That was a new thing. It hasn't happened since last season. Like that's that's <laughs> that is reason enough for me to highlight it this week. It's interesting. I I definitely agree that it's not the best ever. I do. I did like the episode. I just quickly so I don't get too much hate mail. Um, Though that is, as we decided last week, our new goal. Um, I, I did like the episode. I thought it's good. It's well written, well well executed. It has its concept, and um, and there's a lot of fun to be had with this episode. I just don't understand. I don't get why everybody likes this one so much more than the other episodes this season, or even you know some of the ones last season. Uh, it just it felt you know I. After the first couple, basically as soon as Abed catches the die, you know where the episode's going. And I just kind of felt like I was treading water with most of the, the you know, most of the, the repetitions. I mean, I, I particularly enjoyed um, the stuff we got with the troll, which was hilarious. Yes. And, and really the whole, um, just the ridiculousness uh, for when Troy went down to get the pizza and they... Uh, alternate evil versions that we get at the end, I think were a lot of fun. But for the most part, um, I didn't really care about most of the different, uh, the most of the different times. I felt like while it was accurate to have there be so much repetition between the different threads, I mean, that made sense like uh, that there would be. Um, I just, uh, it felt like a time loop episode where there isn't somebody who knows it's a time loop. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's the, the, someone has to know it's a time loop or it quickly becomes boring. Well, I, I think one thing you're sort of hitting on something and I don't want to get too technical, but I think one thing that would have really benefited would have been some um, trickier editing. For instance, like, mm -hmm. for instance, we, we, you know, we get that gag of, uh, of Jeff hitting his head on the, uh, on the ceiling fan every time. And if that, if, if that had maybe gotten a little, like a, you know, if we gotten a, a quicker shot of that every time, that I think that actually would have become increasingly funny. Instead, you know, we get the pretty much the exact same shot, exact same shot length every time. And I think that sort mm -hmm. of hurt the comic rhythm of the episode. And now I'm going to step out of film school mode and mention <laughs> that I think for me one of the reasons this was uh, 
considerably funnier and better than previous episodes. And I didn't really occur to me until I was thinking back. I really think Troy was on his game for the first time mm-hmm. this season. And he's, you know, I mean, Danny, uh, Danny Glover. So oh, wow. Danny Glover, um, Donald Glover, um, <laughs> is, uh, is, is, has, was so great in past seasons. I kind of felt like he was restrained for the last few episodes and they just sort of let him rip, uh, you know, and also, you know, his little references to trying to be an adult were adorable and, Mm. And uh, everything with the troll was great, and no one can can freak out like he can. Um, <laughs> I I think um, you know it's it's funny. I, I've been reading other people's complaints about the season, and someone said, "Oh, you know, Jeff and um, Jeff and Britta used to be cool, and now they're just jerks." And I'm I'm not exactly sure if if that's it, but I do think that the the group as a whole is not as fun to spend time with as they used to be. I think that's maybe one of the problems with this season, but I that was remedied a little bit this episode just just through the the pace and through the the alternate realities. I do think that that commenter or that opinion that you cited does have some merit. I would disagree about Britta. I think when she was nice in the first season, that was before they really had developed her character, and I think she became way more interesting once they made her a ruiner, um, for lack of a better word. Um, but with with Jeff, I think that's accurate in that he's always been a very selfish character. But in a way, in the previous seasons, it didn't seem to adversely affect the group. He was being usually he was being selfish, but it ended up helping somebody in the group, if not the whole group. Whereas he's been actively like hurting the group this season in most of the episodes due to his selfishness so much so um, that in this episode when it when he leaves everything is perfect exactly which i mean obviously they're doing it on purpose and maybe they're going somewhere with it but i don't really think of community as a show that i need to wait to see where they're going for stuff to work like i i kind of want to want to see it work within the episode well the, the other thing for me with jeff is that i really and i've said this before i really wish they would stop with the jeff and annie stuff Cause it's just creepy, and I don't. <laughs> I, I, I almost wonder if part of this episode wasn't the, the takeaway wasn't supposed to be. Maybe we shouldn't get so hung up on what the romantic attachments are because they're essentially arbitrary anyway. I mean, the the, the show has a history of sort of going. I mean, especially I think the most in- interesting thing they ever did was having, you know, Jeff and Britta sort of hook up as you would expect, but then having it mm-hmm. be a totally superficial thing. I yeah. think. Since then, they haven't really thought of anything as interesting to do. So yeah. ho- hopefully Harmon and his crew can find uh, some way to innovate as is yeah. their uh, as is their occasional strength. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's definitely fun to see community getting so much love and, and press and coverage because the ratings are still terrible. Oh, so. abysmal. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you, I, I, like I said, I still enjoy it uh, week to week very much and. Uh, I, it's nice to to see people excited about the show as much as I usually am. So, but let's move on to our final show of a uh, series of of the episode of the cast that is um, the Good Wife. And this was, uh, of course, Community was Remedial Chaos Theory, and this episode was Feeding the Rat. Um, what did you uh, What did you think? This this was an interesting one. Uh, we still have Lisa Edelstein, who's best known, of course, for for House right now as uh will gardner's ex slash uh former peer in college uh this time making uh making a play to uh to him for them to become 
uh, coworkers, amongst other things. Um, there's a there's a lot going on in this episode. Uh, some of it was a little much. I especially was not. I, I thought the whole uh, poker s- sequence was a little ridiculous in the sense of like, come to the evil poker room, stay, play <laughs> poker, and then he decides to leave and no longer play poker, which means he's free of the evil bitch's grasp. That whole thing was a little uh, ridiculous and didactic. Other than that, I thought it was a, a pretty solid entry. The thing about the good wife. And I've said this before, it will never be hip, but so mm-hmm. far, but, but it's, has been consistently enjoyable. That's interesting. Cause yeah, I wouldn't describe it as hip of course, but I would describe it as, I, I wouldn't describe it as the opposite either. Cause it's, it's not stodgy in a way that, you know, a, a traditional procedural like this could be, but it's, it, it manages to keep things really fresh with, um, with its even just with its casting and with the the storylines they decide to to look at and address and yeah it, it well it's not going to be the cool show probably it's also not going to be one of those dinosaurs that kind of uh keeps repeating itself so it's interesting um i i like i enjoyed lisa edelstein last week i like her here this week as well it's it's just fun to have i mean because i'm a fan of sports night so it's nice to have a little um, reunion here. Of course, she was on on Sports for a few episodes as an ex of Josh Charles' character there, um, and so that that's a nice little bit of symmetry. But uh, for me, the the there were a couple of things that I particularly enjoyed about the episode. I really liked seeing Harvey Fierstein. Fierstein? Do you know how it's pronounced? Uh, I would I would assume Fierstein. Fierstein. Um, here, I I always love their casting for the judges, but he's one that I am particularly hoping to see back. Um, it's it's something that Paul Goebel mentioned on the show when he was talking about news radio, and it's something that since he said that I've become increasingly aware of. I like watching people be good at their jobs. Mm-hmm. I like watching smart people do what they do well. And I think that's why I like watching Top Chef so much. And I think that's why I, I, I like watching Alias where, you know, Sydney Bristol did her job. And I, it's fun for me to watch. Oh, and also, of course, Prime Suspect. Yes. Um, she's really good at her job. And here it's a similar thing where um, it's I enjoy spending time watching Alicia work hard and be good at her job, not necessarily have all the right answers or know everything that she should do. But there's just a sense of relief to competence, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I really enjoy it. Um, this week, the, I, I particularly liked about the episode was the structure of it. Um, they started the episode out, of course, for those who haven't seen it by showing us a robbery. And so, and we know that the person, because it's a third person, a reliable narrator, omniscient narrator, that is view. We know that the, the man who Alicia ends up defending is in fact innocent for the for the episode but there's a whole list of evidence against him and so then to watch from that perspective was something that i don't think they've done before and that i i did enjoy the only problem i had with it is of course there's a huge gaping flaw in that they didn't do a gunshot residue test on him at the scene which is something that they would have absolutely done it would have quickly shown that he didn't have any gunshot residue on his hand so he couldn't have shot the gun and had to be innocent and I, I was disappointed that they didn't have a line of dialogue explaining that away because it was, you know, for somebody who's watched as much Law and Order as I have over the years. I was going to say, uh, damn, girl, you know your procedurals. 
<laughs> so I, I I know my law and order. And so that was just a constant little, it was bugging me uh, while I was watching this. I was like, well, when are the results of the GSR going to come back? And they just never did. Um, but other than that, I, I did really enjoy that, uh, that change of structure. What did you think? Well, the, the other huge thing this week, which I'm surprised you didn't already mention, uh, we have the addition of Romani Malco as um as a legal aid guy who i guess is now going to be part of um, um oh lockhart gardner is, is I, now... I, I did love the way that he played diane in that scene yeah Pitch perfect i mean i don't think he was trying to like to to you know hoodwink her or anything but you know it was he he played that perfectly but but you know, ever since uh, he was so great in Forty Year Old Virgin, I, I find that no one's really given him enough to do. I mean, he was only on a couple seasons of Weeds before he got written out, and mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm hoping they, they they keep him around a while because he's he's a really great actor, and um, I I really liked seeing so much of Diane this week and seeing her sort of seeing the differences between her and Will come out again, and also seeing her butt heads a little bit with uh, with Alan Cumming. Which is always fun, and I mean, now that you've added Romani Malco, assuming he sticks around, it's just a reminder of how insane the ensemble cast for this show is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's also, you know, this sort of this this thing with Carrie and this um, sort of impartial observer. I, I forget exactly what it is that she does, um, but uh, who's sort of you know checking the, uh, ch- making sure that there's a racial balance in terms of ah uh, uh, yes in terms of deals being made. That that was amusing, and uh, it's. I'm glad to see Carrie have someone potentially uh, bounce off of. No pun intended. Uh, mm. Who isn't Kalinda? Uh, yeah. Because I I I'm sort of I'm a little tired of that dynamic, and and in general of her dy- of her sort of like tortured will they won't they dynamic with men, which I generally have never found very interesting. Interesting. I don't really feel like I get that much of a will they won't they with well, her they... relationships with the men. I get because I, I get the strong from Carrie that he likes her, but I don't get a, a, a she likes him other than she she likes him as a friend. But I yeah, don't exactly. See any... Like I I I, I what, you know I'm sort of in a weird way. It almost seems like the only way for that for that you know plotline to end will just be like with some pity sex, and then they will move on. <laughs> but like I'm I I don't I don't really want that story beat, and so that's why I, I didn't really care about what was going on with, between her and Scott Porter, and I mm-hmm. and I didn't care what was going on with her and Carrie. So I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping they take him other directions and her as well. Mm-hmm. I like as ever on the show, and it's similar to what you know we like about Homeland as well. I like that he's not simple he's on the other side he's of course he's the prosecutor but he as soon as they prove that their guy is innocent he drops the charges and there's not like a gripey oh i'll get you next time kind of scene it's it's okay sorry my bad let's get the guy who actually did it and um and that's you know it's nice to see that as well it's a way for the again the showrunners to engender trust in me <laughs> yes although it, I, I did find it weird that they switched from a white suspect to a black suspect and carrie's observer didn't have anything to say about it well but i liked that they didn't comment on it i thought that there was that 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 was an undertone to the episode that was pretty i thought it was pretty obvious um and that when the reversal came around, they didn't. I like that they didn't comment on it. I like that they leave it up to the viewer to to think about or go, huh, interesting way to go with it, without um, you know being more didactic. 
Yeah. Because I know that was a problem with you. I assume your your troubles with that were in as regards to Diane. No, no. I think everything with with Diane was fine. I I just had trouble with the whole, with you know, sort of will will go to the dark side or the light side. That's interesting. Uh, speaking of of will, I thought I'm curious what you thought. I I thought that the scene where you know the phone call where he just casually ends with a love you uh, was perfectly played, and I really liked <laughs> that. I thought I th- you know just like you know the one of those like as soon as he says that he goes oh crap wait what did I just I ruined everything, um, and I don't know what did you think I. <laughs> I love that scene for personal reasons because I had a very similar experience when uh, I, I, I said that to a male friend a couple of years ago. And it was just like, <laughs> I, I think I had just talked to my parents or something. And uh-huh. so I, I have had that exact experience, except I think in that case, I said it and then hung up. Uh-huh. So I was even more screwed. So I actually had to call <laughs> them back and say, I but, didn't, there was nothing right. So, I don't. So I well, totally, I totally felt where, where Will was coming from. Though of course he actually means it, and that's right. Yes, the the point of, of it, and uh, I mean it's a bit expected that of course he's more invested in the in the relationship than she. I think anybody could have seen coming just based on the history of the, of the two characters yeah. over the years. Um, but yeah, you know the the poker scene and the stuff at the hotel that worked for me. I don't know if you know. I thought it. I thought it worked. It it was more of the for me less the Willie go to the dark side, but more of the he's choosing the the life and the that he has basically it's the idea of choosing to go home to the wife instead of to stay out late all night with the with the guys and try to recapture the old days and i don't know i thought it, i thought it worked well, Even, I, yeah i do like the idea that for him being good is is a matter <laughs> of is a matter of conscious effort like mm-hmm. he seems to easily slide into sort of despicable behavior, which I, I, they, you know, they, they frequently hint that he used to do a lot. Um, and you know, maybe he's in the, he's trying to be a better person that I find interesting. I just, just the depiction of it in this episode, I found a, a little black and white. Another scene that we didn't mention that I thought was great was the, the conversation between him, Chris Noth and Lisa Alstein, <laughs> which was fantastic. That was yeah. That's great. Oh my god, <laughs> just delightfully awkward and what is like? I, just Chris Noth was great in that scene. Yeah, if you, if you can only get Noth for one scene an episode, that's a good scene for him to have. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the last thing that I wanted to mention about this episode is the the music, the scoring at the end, because um, it, it really rankled. Uh, it was incredibly. At least for me, I'm sure other people don't notice this, but as a musician, you know, I notice when the horns come in and then the oboe line and it's all, it was just too over the top for me. It felt like they were trying to, it felt like they were trying to sound like the West Wing instead of just writing music that fit. If if they'd just been a little more subtle, I think it would have worked, but it took me right out of that scene. As much as I did like the performance, um, of Christine Bransky and Josh Charles, and I liked the the content. Just if, so, if they could have just toned down the music just mm. that much, it would have been a great capping scene. I think. Yep, you're right. Most of us don't notice. <laughs> 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 yeah. Anyways, uh, any final thoughts on, on the Good Wife? Oh my God, we've gone on long enough. I think we've. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, 
So that's that's um, our week in TV and our spotlights. We're going to come back, as mentioned previously, with Sean Ingram from Previously On, which I would say is a podcast that anybody who likes our show should go check out. Um, and uh, we're going to talk some Larry Sanders. Uh, before we go to that, though, of course, you can always reach us uh, at soundoutside.org. We're going to have a post up so you can post your comments. I'm curious um, for people who have listened for a couple weeks, uh, what what you, how you feel about the format? We're thinking of maybe switching it up, putting the DVD shelf either in the middle or at the beginning of of the of the podcast and and ending with something else, like moving the segments around. So I'm curious what you guys have to say about that, um, and how you feel about this uh, multiple episode spotlight instead of just one, uh, as well. And and the, so of course again, thank you to to Sean and T Mac and Dan and Mario for commenting on the site and uh, our all, all the great tweets I was getting for, from people. It's always fun to talk to you guys. So you can leave us a comment. Uh, of course, we're on iTunes with an MP3 and an M4A feed. So the M4A lets you skip through the different chapters. So if you don't want to hear us talk for forever about the Good Wife, you can skip to the next part. So uh, that's the M4A feed, and you can rate us there. And uh, if we would love to get some ratings so that we can start uh, hopefully getting out to some some more viewers. We are going to be on Mebio, uh starting this week. We'll have a channel there, so that's another way that you can find us. And um, I guess I'm on Twitter at the Televerse. You are. I'm at Sucker Howell. And then, of course, you can always email us at theteleverse at gmail.com. And I think that's about enough million show notes. And we'll be right back with our DVD shelf. You folks see that flashing sign up there? Now that sign says applesauce. No, no. I'm, I'm kidding. It says applause. Ray, do me a favor. Could you flick that once? All right. Now, remember... You're all, you're all a big part of the show, so the better you are, the better Larry is. Okay, now you see this gentleman? Now he's giving me this, uh, this sign, and it says, we're on in 10 seconds, so get ready to have a good time. All right, here we go. This is exciting, isn't it? In five, four, three, two... Tape from Hollywood, The Larry Sanders Show. Tonight, join Larry and his guests, Harrison Ford, Shirley Jones, Jody Watley, and me, Dana, oh, Hank Kingsley. And now, because only he brings out the natural luster of the wood, Larry Sanders. And you're back with the Televerse. I'm Kate Kolzik, as ever, with Simon Howell. And this week on the DVD shelf, we're talking the Larry Sanders show. And we're happy to to welcome Sean Ingram from Previously On to join us in that conversation. Thanks for coming on the show, Sean. Thank you for having me. So what is it about Larry Sanders that makes it your ultimate, your favorite show? Um, it's what isn't it. Um, <laughs> I guess the main thing for me is... The characters. Uh, I'm really, I'm drawn to all my favorite stuff. is is character driven, and has, uh, you know, distinctive, memorable characters. And this show is uh, is definitely one of the ultimate examples of that. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll get into it at length, but uh, I think every every character is pretty pretty well developed. There's no 
there's no plot device characters or or cartoons uh, on the show, and that's I think that's what I love most about it. And also, it's super funny. Yeah, that usually that usually helps. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And for me, what was really interesting about it was just how fully formed everybody seemed from the pilot on. I, I hadn't seen any Larry Sanders show until like this past couple of weeks when, when you said that you wanted to talk about it. And when I started watching it, I, it took me a while to really connect to the characters because it, they felt, you know, what I, as I got to know them better, I you could go back and watch the earlier things and see just how developed the characters had been. But I wasn't in on the joke yet for the first couple episodes that I watched. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting. Uh, Simon, what was have you had you seen any Larry Sanders before this? Uh, ages ago, my memories of it were quite uh, quite foggy, so I was quite happy to revisit the series. I actually watched the first uh, four or five episodes, and then uh, uh, Sean, you you sent us a list of uh, sort of uh, desert island episodes of the show, and I, I watched those, and I had a blast with it. I think what's great about the show to me. Is it's an it's sort of an ideal union of funny and clever. It's it never lets its cleverness get in the way of its of its funniness and and vice versa. And I think that's it. it that's a lesson some other shows I think could take a take a page from. Yeah, there's a nice there's a nice balance with it. And the one of the things I also enjoyed about it with the as regards to the characters is that the characters didn't feel so much like types or caricatures. You could see them filling certain roles. You know particularly given the setting. It's uh, a behind-the-scenes sitcom set at a late-night talk show. Uh, so you have the, you know, Artie's the producer, and he does producery things that we've seen, you know, other characters on similarly-based shows get into. But he didn't feel like this, you know, he wasn't walking around with a clipboard. He was, you know, he was, wasn't really that type so much as just Artie. And the same could be said for, for Hank and, and Larry and all of the characters, really. Um, so that was sort of refreshing for me. Oh yeah, definitely. And Artie in particular is just Artie. <laughs> well, and the actors that they have on this show are just hilarious. And it's a really deep cast too. I mean, like in the later seasons, Marilyn Ricecup shows up, which it was so refreshing to watch her be funny after watching her for a couple weeks on How to Be a Gentleman. So it was, uh-huh. <laughs> which was nice to see her be in this and, and just really be this funny and slightly awkward but you know it was it was uh, a good time and of course um scott thompson from the kids in the hall was on mm-hmm. here and and does this small character but it's a very different uh take than i've seen from him because whenever i've seen him in the past playing like the gay assistant it's he's been a really over the top kind of flamboyant character and he felt much more real in this show which i really enjoyed yeah, I think he um, he really proved himself uh, with this show to me. I mean, I I love Kids in the Hall, obviously, but uh, uh, in in that role as as Brian, he really proved that he has actual acting chops, which is is different than sketch acting. And yeah, speaking of Mary Lynn, she's been a favorite of mine for years uh, since Mister Show, and it, I agree that it is nice to see her actually be funny because that that's what she's meant to be doing um and after years getting so well known for 24 i find it although i guess that character had uh brought some comic elements to that show but yeah just getting popular on 24 i think 
maybe did her a, a disservice in the eyes of the the general public. Uh, speaking of chops, um, watching this effectively for the first time, I, the person who most consistently wowed me, I think, was Rip Torn, who who just played Artie. And I mean, he's always been great, even going back to the early seventies. You know, really wild stuff like Payday. He's always been sort of a sort of an underrated talent, and I, I think he's he's just fantastic here. It's he's not as much of like you said a caricature as as someone like um, although technically a different position. He makes me think of Jeremy P- Piven's character on Entourage, someone who's high powered and has to take charge of things. But Artie's different. He's 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 got more of a heart than some of these sort of typically drawn sort of high powered characters and he's he's got a lot of dimensions and i i, I think apparently Riptorn was not the original choice for the role uh, but i do think he was probably the best choice yeah they liked out on that then whoever the first choice yeah, I, was. i actually didn't know that I, I do know a lot of trivia about the show but i, I did not know that do you know who the original uh, choice was uh, according according to my confidential source <clears throat> indv trivia um <laughs> it's a, a ken ruda was offered the part and uh, had a conflict, so he did not take it. And yeah, he's he's he has uh, very few credits, so there's a reason you haven't heard of him. It's interesting. That would have made for a, a very different show, because really the center of the show is the dynamic between Larry and Artie, and then Hank as well. In that that trio really is the fundamentals for this show. So. Man, with a different take on Artie, you're looking at a completely different show, and I don't know that it would necessarily work. I don't think you could take him out and still have anywhere near as successful of a show. Yeah, I I completely agree. Artie is my favorite character on the show, and um, I think it's specifically Rip Torn. He's so yeah, he's so crucial to that role, and yeah, I I completely agree. If you don't have Rip Torn, then I don't know I don't know what the show is. Now, for me, I had seen him, you know, on his stint on 30 Rock, and then, you know, he's been in, like, a million things, but I really knew him best from 30 Rock, so watching, seeing those two characters, uh, or comparing Artie to Dan Geis, it was Dan Geis, I believe, right, on on 30 Rock? Don Geis, I Don Geis, oh, yes, you're right. Um, Yeah, it was a a lot of fun, because there, I just, I noticed there are certain threads that seemed very similar, but then some that are completely different, and I, I had a similar experience with Jeffrey Tambor, as Hank, because I know him so well from Arrested Development, of course. But mm-hmm. uh, it was just fun watching him have such a different comedic voice here. Yeah, I, he's amazing, of course. And yeah, one of the one of the things to admire about about that performance is that he's not uh, he's not playing Jeffrey Tambor, and he, he's not playing um, George Bluth. Uh, it's a very, it's a very different kind of role from, from any any of his uh, uh, most famous roles. And the other thing with Hank for me is that in the past uh, just a few years, I've become much more familiar with late night TV, like with the whole Lennon and Conan debacle and all that. I've I've become much more familiar with you know the sidekick and the different you know. Uh, beats that you see on late night shows with these types of characters. And I think that really helped and informed my viewing of this show. I don't know that I would have liked it as much if I had watched it even just two years ago, you know, before I started Mm. checking out Fallon and Kimmel. And I I kind of went through during the late night wars and checked out all the different shows. So, yeah, I don't know that I would have liked it as much without that element. To me, it's the most successful show about 
show business that I've ever seen. And I mean, there's there's amazing shows. I mean, like Thirty Rock and at its peak was uh, one of my favorites as well. And I guess uh, Extras is also good. Um, or even um, even Mary Tyler Moore, which isn't show business exactly, but it's TV. Um, but like Thirty Rock, going back to that, how 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 much is that show actually about <laughs> the show they're doing? Uh, supposedly, you know, so little of yeah. it. But yeah, the Larry Sanders show was always it was always about the Larry Sanders show, which is the show within the show. Um, it was always about that to some degree or another, and they they never lost sight of that. They never, yeah, they always had a, a focus. Yeah, uh, it, in a way, the Larry Sanders show solved the problem of, well, one of the problems with workplace comedies is that so often you, you, say you lose sight of the work they're supposed to be doing. I think U.S. Office is a really good example of that. Uh, how many episodes are focused on holidays, which gives them an excuse not to work, uh, whereas Larry yeah, Sanders with, with every other week. Yeah. Which is, uh, can I work there? Um, <laughs> but um, so much of the Larry Sanders show with rare exceptions is, is not only is oriented around the show, but actually takes place on the show. I think it's worth mentioning that the show within the show is totally credible, you know, all of the time, you know, wacky stuff happens be- behind the scenes, but you can totally believe if you were flipping, if you had no idea what the Larry Sanders show was and you were to flip into it midway through at the time, you could have just as easily believed it was a real talk show, I think, almost for that exception. Yeah, and that way it actually it really reminded me of Studio 60, but better executed. You know, that same idea of... I, I thought uh, Studio 60 sort of... Yeah, I guess they took that idea, but they shot themselves in the foot by... By uh, building up this so-called genius writing that the character was doing, yeah. Whereas the Larry Sanders show, that that show is not an amazing show. It's a it's a late night talk show, and yeah, like Simon says, it's totally credible. It's not like an avant garde piece of comedy. It's just a completely believable piece of of late night television. Yeah, what I was going to say is this, it reminded me of Studio sixty, but. A well done Studio 60. You know, the it's a similar idea. And in watching Larry Sanders now, gives me an even poorer opinion of Studio 60. Cause I liked some of that. I liked what they were trying to go for, but you know, you know, this is how you do it right, and if it makes that one even more glaring of an uh, of a misstep, I would say. Um, and I particularly the the thing that particularly reminded me of it was whenever we see shots of the board, you know, where they're timing out the different guests and and uh, and such, and that actually leads me to the guest stars they have on this on the show. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, it's crazy to think of for for me just how ahead of its time it was, or or maybe uh, the reverse, how much it influenced other shows in that way of having celebrities come on as you know, slightly tweaked versions of themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, this was... I, I personally feel it's influential, um, extremely so. And, and yeah, I mean, look at any of the the sort of major comedies that have guest stars in the past five to ten years, and I think there's a lot of Larry Sanders' DNA in those shows. From, yeah, extras and entourage and all of those different shows... And specifically shows that <clears throat> that rely on sort of alternate versions of real people, 
uh, it's li- like extras or any any I mean entourage obviously any sort of showbiz related comedy is clearly indebted. Yeah, definitely the 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 celebrity playing an unflattering version of his or herself, which is something that uh, extras in particular did. I think uh, Larry Sanders did first and best. Well, and that's where, as much as I do really enjoy the main characters, the, by far the funniest episode for me was Everybody Loves Larry, just mm, out of, yeah. just because David Duchovny is hilarious in that. And the, the writing is great, and just the the rapport between him and, and Gary Shandling is perfect. And it's just hilarious. Definitely, the, I think it's the funniest episode I watch. I, I watch about, like, 15 to 20, somewhere in that range. And, uh, man, I don't understand, you know, it, sh- it just shows they should have gotten David Duchovny doing comedy far sooner than they, they actually did, you know, yeah, after Calif- X-Files. Californication doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I agree completely. I think he's awesome on the show, and supposedly that that, that plot was hatched over a, a basketball game between um, Duchovny and Gary Shandling, and it was Duchovny's idea, which I think is a... Interesting bit of trivia. I have to say, uh, out of the episodes that I watched, I watched roughly a similar number as Kate. I I think for laughs per minute slash intensity of laughs over time, you know what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. Overall, I think Next Stop Bottom was the one that that got me the hardest. Uh, probably the just the juxtaposition. Thing. Yeah, when uh, Hank has been divorced and then he's with a wide range of prostitutes and. Just the 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 commiseration between uh, Hank and Artie is hilarious, and his sort of solution to the problem with the um, with the divorce gun and mm-hmm. and the, <laughs> the and the older prostitute. Oh, so much of it just just got to me. Also, I think the juxtaposition of extreme misery and and high comedy uh, is way ahead of its time, and um, and also and and hit me personally uh, quite quite hard. Well, and one of the things they do in that episode, and, and they do that in several of the other ones that I watched as well, and I think it's incredibly successful, is you get all of this drama and ridiculousness, you know, and that's where a lot of the humor comes from, and then you have the completely uh, deadpan reactions of, uh, especially particularly from Hank, and then you have the particularly deadpan reactions from Artie and Larry, who have, you know, who, of course, to them, this is day-to-day, this is normal, and so they don't respond to it. And I think, like, just that ending-capping scene with the the divorce gun at, mm-hmm. at the end of the episode, I think it's a perfect example of it, and, you know, just really <laughs> adds a nice uh, uh, undercut to to all of the heightened things we get from Hank. That freeze-frame gag uh, that ends the episode uh, is one of my very favorites, and, and that was, in general... That was something they were uh, really, really good at. Uh, just ending every show ends with a, a freeze frame, and uh, yeah, just ending on just the right moment and having the the drums kick in. Uh, yeah, I love that, and they were yeah generally really good at that. I think it's worth noting that the show is not only. I mean, you don't only have sort of the current and future stars of comedy like Jerry Piven, Gene Garofalo, you know, Jeffrey Tambor, Marilyn Rayscape, et cetera, but also the writing. And also I should also mention Bob Odenkirk, who's around for quite a bit. Um, looking yeah, so young. Sort of, um, sorry. Uh, Stevie Grant is sort of a, a precursor to uh, Saul Goodman in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, and I, I would throw John Stewart in there with that as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, were any of the Sarah Silverman episodes on the list I gave you? I did not get a chance to get to to her arc. She had an yeah, she had an arc as uh, one of the female writers on the show, and it, uh, it was only a handful of episodes. But yeah, she also was very good and sort of pre uh, predates her her big blow up into fame. Um, but Simon, you're saying. Well, I was going to mention besides the uh, acting, the you know, the the principal cast, we've also got like a, a pretty esteemed collection of writers. I mean, we have 25 episodes, uh, thanks IMDb, written by Peter Tolan, who of course went on to co-create Rescue Me and do a bunch of other stuff, uh, as well as of course seven episodes penned or co-penned by Jed Apatow, and of course we all know what what he doth rot in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and Stephen Levin shows up in there as well. So, I mean, really, you've just sort of got a dream team both in front and behind the camera. Yeah, and also um, Paul Sims, who uh, left the show after the first couple of years to create news radio. Right. He, yeah, he went on to also work on Fly the Concords, and he even actually wrote an episode of Boardwalk Empire last year. Yeah. Huh. Don't know what made me think of this, but when you're talking about the, the cast members, it's interesting We that uh, I enjoyed Penny Johnson on this. Of course, Penny Johnson Gerald, as she was later known um and it's interesting that this is a bit or 24 was a bit of a larry sanders reunion in that it was marilyn rice club and penny johnson gerald on the show for for quite a while in in such different roles i'm you know i'm used to her from you know from 24 from star trek deep space nine as the more dramatic roles and so it was fun to watch her get to play more comedy but uh but yeah just a great you know cast writing directing straight through I know that uh, listening to one of your recent previously odd episodes, Sean, mm-hmm. you guys talked about season f- uh, series finales, and you had this as one of your your favorite all time series finales. Um, now mm. I, I think it works very well. Uh, of course, Flip and is a t- it's a two parter, and um, I, I really like how they undercut. They have plenty of schmaltiness, and then they undercut it immediately after, um, and always go for the laugh, and that. I really enjoyed that. What is it that you particularly enjoy about the finale? I guess I just, what is it about? I don't know. I guess it just, even though, even though um, the series starts with the show in progress, I feel like ending, ending the series with the end of the Larry Sanders show is uh, the only, yeah, the only way for the show to end. Um, and again, yeah, it's one of, I think it's one of their funnier episodes. And, uh, yeah, there's just something very satisfying about it. I think also because everyone gets something to do pretty much the way I remember it. And couple that with uh, just a boatload of guest stars. But but it's never, I guess you would call it a, you know, an, an event episode or, you know, there's, there's a very... Uh, I don't know if it, if it was on a network, it would be yeah, yeah, very hyped and very big, but the guest stars don't, uh, again, they, they're, they're, they, they serve the story. Uh, I guess, it, I guess it works for me because not only do they all get to be funny pretty much, but, uh, it, it makes total, it makes sense for this, uh, for the context of, of the, of the episode for there to be, that many guest stars. Well, and that's something that I was 
just generally surprised about in the the series because I you know having not seen it I was under the impression that it was an hour long show mm. not a half hour just because I knew it so much as having so many guest stars pop up and so just I guess somewhere in the back of my mind I had at some point decided that well you can't have that many guest stars without it being an hour long show um, but they they're used so sparingly that I think it really it really works. At first, it, it was bothering me a little bit because they were always so funny. I wanted to see more of them, but as I got to know our core characters more, I was really grateful for that, actually. So they, they bring people in, but they just kind of, you know, sprinkle them on top or pepper, pepper them through, to use mm-hmm. another food analogy. And, um, and, and, yeah, and they don't rely on them, and they don't over allow the guest um, actors and names to overpower the... The, the characters on the show. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah, I I, I said character driven um, earlier, and yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, even though there is a lot of st- stunt, quote unquote, stunt casting, it's all it's all about it's all about character, and it's like, uh, for example, uh, an episode you might not have seen, but they had an episode about the, uh, where Sharon Stone was heavily featured, and she was dating. Dating Larry, um, but the episode is really about Larry's inferiority complex because he's never dated someone more famous than he is. So they had the fa- you know one of the most famous female actresses um, in the world at the time, and the episode is about uh, how petty Larry is, basically. Well, and speaking of that, it, I mean I'm not familiar enough with uh, earlier comedies, but it strikes me this has to be one of the earliest comedies to have a your trio of leads all be not particularly great people. I mean, they're not, you know, to your arrested development level of they're all despicable, <laughs> but I mean, they're not particularly great people either. No, not at all. Yeah, I think um I could make a case that it, that it was influential on um you know, there's this sort of whole uh, anti-hero movement in, in cable and and even in now network television and yeah, I, yeah one could make a strong case that uh that the larry sanders show was a, a pioneer in that regard now simon and i have given our favorite or funniest episodes what if you have to pick one and i know this is difficult because i asked you to pick five and you pick 15 <laughs> but if you have to pick one as best or funniest or whatever with what is your ultimate larry sanders episode uh, that's a tough question because my instinct is to say uh, Arthur After Hours, which is uh, I think you guys watched that. Yeah, but yeah, it, that was great. Yeah, it's a good yeah. one. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know if I would <laughs> if we're doing this in a time capsule sort of way. I don't know if I would hold that up and show that to a new viewer because it's very off format. Uh, you know, taking place after hours and pretty much featuring already for the the majority of the the running time uh so maybe if not that then uh i'm a big fan of the roast uh so i might do Mm -hmm. that or or um hank sex tape (laughs) (laughs) i feel like we've been talking about how influential the show is and how great the cast is and i feel like we haven't really emphasized enough this is a really funny show oh yeah there's a lot of laughs, and it's different kinds of humor, uh, like uh, Simon already said. And, yeah, it's just, it's one that, 
because we were talking about this a little bit, uh, Sean and I, and I was at the like phase of the show. I hadn't yet really grown to love it. I was about halfway through the list of episodes I was going to watch. And then I, I, for whatever reason, I got away from it and came back to it like a week later to finish catching up. And I think that the little extra bit of time spent uh, getting, you know, having known the characters and, and stuff, really, I came back to it and just loved all of the episodes after, that I watched after that. So, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun for me. It was, uh, you know, a lot of times when you watch these shows that are, have been so influential and done so much to, and done so much to, like redefine the genre or inspired so many great things that have come afterwards. When you watch the originals, they, they pale in comparison a little bit because you've seen other people take those ideas and really, ex, you know, expand them out and and uh, perfect those them in different in interesting ways. So when you go back to the original, it can be a little rough and not quite as successful. But I was very pleased uh, that I didn't think that was the case with this show. No, yeah. And I agree completely that, yeah, it is, it is incredibly influential, I think, but it also totally holds up. Uh, I think there is some kind of, um, you do maybe have to have grown up in the era that it took place or at least have some kind of passing knowledge because there is, it was of of its time in a lot of ways. I mean, just by the celebrities that it cast and the certain topical references that it made frequently but uh but yeah i mean just uh the acting and the writing and everything holds up and uh yeah it's still one of one of my favorite shows of all time my uh sort of last question for you sean is since we're talking about pioneering uh, are you by any chance familiar with it's gary Shandling show which is i, I guess in some ways sort of the, the the predecessor to this show i was wondering because uh, it's also you know also starring Gary Shandling, also has self-reflexive elements from what I can tell. I haven't personally seen it. I was curious whether you could uh, recommend that as well. Yeah, I could absolutely recommend that. Um, It's very, very... um, The popular term these days is meta. But um, basically the show takes place in, in Gary's living room for the most part. But Gary is aware that he's a TV character and he's and he speaks to the audience and when and when and his car is like a little um a little cart that you would drive around a studio a lot so it's it, yeah it's all very um yeah self self reflective and it's it is aware that is it is a tv show and it's not quite as um <clears throat> it's sort of maybe the flip side of gary shanling in that it's it's more the joke the jokey side uh it, it and if larry sanders is the the character side then it's gary shanley show is the more just uh straight up joke comedy mm-hmm. uh side of him and yeah it's a very good show really fun. good to know yeah gary shanley was a bit before my time as far as um comedy goes like i didn't become aware of him until until later so when he was you know when this show was on in the 90s and the it's Gary Shandling show as well, and I, I wasn't really familiar with, uh, with with his voice, and so it was fun to go back and and discover it a bit. Um, do we have any final thoughts? Uh, I would say watch Larry Sanders. Good final thought. Uh, I I did want to say that I one thing that uh, is most impressive to me about the show is that uh, it's 
always really good. I don't think there's definitely no season, and I would be hard-pressed to think of even any episode that is just a dud or just not enjoyable or, you know, just stinks. Uh, so that's super impressive to do six seasons and, and uh, for the most part, knock it out of the park. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, you know, and also the the quality from season to season, the show, it felt very much, it's very episodic in that way. There's certain arcs that, that you know, sort of uh, play mm-hmm. out for a while, but watching an episode, a season one episode versus a season five episode versus a season six episode, it felt very much like the same show. So it was, a show, I think it's, a, Larry Sanders' show was one that knew its voice and knew, it, you know, what it was doing in season one, you know, it didn't need some time to really figure it out and work out the kinks the same way that some other shows do. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so uh, everybody go out there and watch Larry Sanders. And it's now out on DVD for the longest time. Um, yeah, finally. It was only like a best of, or was it not the best of? I think it was. Um, the... Yeah, they did a, they did do season one and then I guess it wasn't very successful. So then they, they did do a not just the best of I think it's called, and it's um, I think it's some some of Gary Shanley's favorite episodes with uh, with a ton of bonus features. Um, but all those bonus features are on the now complete box set. Good times. So thank you very much for coming on the show, Sean, and prompting me to finally catch up with this with this really fun show. Um, where can our listeners find you? They can go to previouslyonshow.com or uh, find us in iTunes and all, all the other um, podcast places. And then the Twitter feed is previously on show without the W. This is a lot of fun, and hopefully you'll come back and talk to us about another one of your favorites in the future. I'd love to. Come back next week for another episode of The Televerse. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.